0: Well, thank you for uh, allowing me to be here with you this morning. Um, uh, I'm grateful, yeah, to be here with you guys. I'm obviously not Chad. Uh, I guess I have a few more hair follicles than he does. Uh, (laughs) But, uh, man... I listened to Chad's sermon from last week on Friday, um, and I'm kind of intimidated. I didn't realize he was such a great preacher. I'd never heard him preach before, so if you've not heard that sermon, you know to go back online and watch or listen to that sermon. Not only was it a great sermon, offering great, great encouragement, great wisdom, but it kind of sets the stage for this whole series of messages that we'll be in for the next several weeks called guardrails. And, and last week, Chad explained kind of the purpose of guardrails. You know, we see guardrails on the highway and oftentimes we don't pay attention to them, but what are what are guardrails? You know, guardrails are a system designed to keep us from veering off the road, veering off the highway, off into off a cliff, off into the trees, whatever that might be. And he said that that guardrails one of their purposes is to mitigate damage. So sometimes maybe you've been in a situation before, I've been in a situation before where you hit a guardrail and when you hit a guardrail, unfortunately, you're going to have to take your car to a repair shop, but oftentimes you won't have to go to, to, to the emergency room. And so guardrails are sometimes inconvenient, but they, they mitigate damage they can, they, they, as opposed to as if they weren't there. Um, another thing about guardrails that Chad pointed out last week is that they're not placed in the danger zone. They're always placed in the safety zone, just a few feet away, oftentimes, from the danger zone. And see, as a society, we realize the value for having a margin of error. You know, we realize sometimes we're, we're driving down the road, we're down, going down 66, 495, and we see, okay, there's a shoulder, and then there's a guardrail, and sometimes my mind thinks, man, if that shoulder wasn't there, if that, if that guardrail wasn't there, we could have a whole other lane, and we could have a lot less traffic. You know, that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, why don't we just get rid of the guardrail, get rid of the shoulders, and have two lanes instead of one? But as a society, we understand that when it comes to driving, that we need a margin of error because just one lapse of judgment, just one lapse in our attention, and we could be off the road if we were driving right next to the danger zone. And so we're talking about this guardrail series, understanding that we need those same types of guardrails in our lives so that we're continuing to making healthy choices, better, the best choices that we can make, and we don't end up in ditches in our lives when, when it comes to our marriages, when it comes to our finances, when it comes to how we raise our kids. We need a margin of error. You know, when we live in a culture that doesn't really celebrate guardrails, you know, as a culture, Chad pointed out that oftentimes we don't have guardrails, we have painted lines. You know, we have these, we have these suggestions Kind of like, you know, you know drink responsibly and, and wait until you're married to have sex and don't, you know, have an affair. But those are just painted lines. And, and they're great suggestions until you kind of find yourself going in that direction. When the train gets on the track, it's sometimes hard to slow down. And all of us probably know that some of the biggest regrets, one of our greatest regrets, weren't just one-time decisions. But they were just one small little compromise after another small compromise after another small compromise. And it was perhaps because we didn't have strong guardrails in our lives That kept us going in the direction that we needed to go and so what are these guardrails that we're talking about in the series well they're they're kind of matters of conscience that that will kind of wake us up kind of kind of kick us back into gear and say watch out you're 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 getting off of the road i mean i think maybe if we do the series again maybe we just call it the rumble strips you know the rumble strips you're veering off the road and all of a sudden your car starts vibrating you're like oh wake up here we go Danger is coming, and you get back on the road. So, so what, what are these, these guardrails? they are just matters of conscience that, that kind of wake us up. And today we're going to talk about guardrails specifically in terms of our relationships. In, in terms of our relationships, mainly with our friends and our associates. And so let me kind of just set the stage for those guardrails and ask you this one question. Have you ever met someone that you later wish you had never met? Yeah, n- nervous laughter, right? No, I mean, maybe that's a little too close to home, but maybe, maybe let's put it this way, has, has your spouse ever met someone you wish they had never met? You know, maybe they like someone a little too much, or maybe, maybe let's put it this way, have, have your kids ever met someone that you wish they had later uh, met, that you, that you wish they had not met, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, we can all think of people. We can go back in our memory bank, and we can we can think of people that we wish we had never met, or they had never met. Why? It's because oftentimes our biggest regrets are always connected with people that we have met. You know, oftentimes our biggest regrets, I have no idea what they might be, but probably weren't made in isolation. You probably weren't alone when you did it or made that decision. They were probably influenced by someone that we knew, oftentimes a friend. You know, probably weren't, it probably wasn't the result of someone who we are hostile with or an enemy because, well, when we're amongst our enemies, we have our guard up you know, and we're not going to allow them to influence us, but it's when we're in the company of friends that we kind of let our guard down, and all of a sudden we're susceptible to them influencing us and kind of taking us off of the road. And so what are some guardrails that we need to have in terms of these relationships? Well, we're going to look at the wisdom that King Solomon gives us in the book of Proverbs. So if you would, open up your Bibles to the book of Proverbs, and we'll be in chapter 13 today. And while you do that, let's just think, maybe let's go back in our memory banks of what we've learned about King Solomon in the past. Maybe you, maybe you have no idea who he is, but maybe you, maybe you do. Well, What we learn in the Bible is that King Solomon was the third king of Israel. He was the most powerful king at the time. People came from all over the world to glean from his wisdom. He was known to be the, the, the richest man in the world. He was the wisest man at his time. And so everyone wanted to, to be his friend, to be his associate. And every, So he, he, know, he understands a lot about what it comes to having relationships. And he also, oftentimes, didn't always make the wise decision. I mean, we look at his life and we kind of like, hey, this is the wisest guy? I mean, he had 700 wives. It's like, how could that be a wise decision? I mean, I, I, I'm not married, but I think having one would be enough, right? I mean, enough, enough said. But, you know, he, he learned a lot, I'm thinking, from that life experience had a lot of people that he had to okay understand how do we have these relationships and maybe maybe the wisest thing he ever did was was write this love letter song of solomon and, and not address it to anybody you know he's sitting with one of his wives reading it to her oh solomon that's so beautiful you wrote that about me didn't you yeah yeah it was about you right yeah okay it's like he, 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 he was pretty wise, okay, and, and he learned from, from his experience and from the experience of other people in his kingdom, and he shares his wisdom in the book of Proverbs. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 13, verse 20, he says this. He says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools suffers harm. Let me read that one more time. He says, Who- whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools suffers harm. And so here he reminds us, okay, so why is it so important for us to have guardrails when it comes to our relationships with our friends, our associates, is because they actually rub off on us. And, and it's not just him who, who agrees with or who says this. Modern science actually agrees with this. There's a neuroscientist out of the university or the Northwest University in Chicago, Morin Surf, who for the, for the past 10 years has been researching. The relationship between your friends, your associates, and the decisions that you make. And and last year, there was an article published that that kind of documented his work. In this article, it shows that just by spending time with people, being in the same space with them, actually makes your brain start align with one another. Your brain waves actually start looking identical. He says this, as I quote, he says, The more we study engagement, we see time and again that just being next to certain people actually aligns your brain with them. Yes, so your friends, the people you're around, they influence your behavior even before you know anything is happening. It's not just a behavioral thing, it's a neurological thing. He says this, he says, this means the people you hang out with actually have an impact on your engagement with reality beyond what you can explain. And one of the effects is you become alike. So look to your left. And look, to your right. I mean, are, are you next to the people that you want your brains to be aligned with? Well, his conclusion, okay, to the matter and, and understanding, okay, so how, what, how does this affect our relationships and who we should be hanging out with? He says this. He says, if people want to maximize happiness and minimize stress, I think that's most of us, okay, they should build a life that requires fewer decisions by surrounding themselves with people who embody the traits they prefer. Why? Because over time, they naturally pick up on those desired, desirable attitudes and behaviors. Yeah, what King Solomon was saying 3,000 years ago, modern scientists was saying is just true. That, that the people you surround yourself will rub off on you. And Solomon says wisdom is contagious. So think about it. Who are you hanging out with? Who are you spending time with? You know, what, what does it mean to be wise? When the Bible describes the wise person, how does the, the Bible describe their life? Well, The Bible describes a wise person as the person who sees the connectedness of life. They, they see how their decisions today affect tomorrow. They, they, they see how, they, how, how when they spend their money today in this way is actually going to affect their financial well-being in the future. It's people who see how the way they're raising their kids, the way they're loving and disciplining their kids today is actually going to affect who they become and the decisions they make in the future. The wise person understands that by doing chores around the house leads to hugs and kisses later on in the bedroom, I've heard. I don't know, okay? But they see the connectedness of all of life. See, Jesus says that in Luke 7 that wisdom is proved right by her children. I mean, mean, the, the proof is in the pudding, no, just look at someone's life. You know, if you're a young entrepreneur and you have a desire, you have a vision to start a company, who should you be hanging out with? You should spend time and hang out with the same space as people who have started successful companies. I mean, if you're a young couple here, it would be a wise thing for you to do to, to, to find an, another older couple here at the congregation, here at the church, and invite them over for dinner and say, hey, we need to learn from you. We just want to spend some time with you. And, and, and just pick their brain so find somebody in this congregation older than you but on the same path a little bit further down the line than you and spend time with them and understand okay how have you how have you weathered some of the stormy seasons of your marriage you know you got young kids go go find a a couple that has kids that, that have been raised in the Lord and are following Jesus now as adults and ask them how did you do it how did you discipline them how did you love them are you a part of a life group? You know, that's why we emphasize that it's so important to be part of a life group, to be spending time with people who have the same values as you and going in the same direction as you are. Because, because wisdom is contagious and your friends rub off on you. And see, that's the promise of this verse that King Solomon shares. There's a promise that, 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 that if you hang out with wise people, they will make you wise. But let's not forget about the warning. And that warning is that a companion of fools suffers harm now i think a lot of us we we kind of don't get this verse right i know my my roommate i was actually talking about this message with him this past week and he's like oh i love that verse love that verse you know you walk with the wise you grow wise you walk with fools you become foolish i'm like actually that's not what king solomon says that's what we think he says but it's actually not actually what he says he says that a companion of fools suffers harm and so what is he what is he saying He's saying, I know most of us, okay, we, we, we've got work, we've got, we hang out with people, and they maybe, are, maybe they're not the people who see the connectedness of life. They might be who the Bible describes as, as fools, right? They're the people who know, okay, drinking and driving, it, it, it's not right, but they, they do it anyways, they don't care. You know, it's the people who say, okay, I know it's probably not wise for me to, to, to go on a, a work trip with a, a member of the opposite sex who's not my spouse, but they don't care. Okay, and we know, okay, okay these are the people I work with. These are my friends. But they're not going to influence my decisions. They're not going to influence my behavior. They're not going to make me a fool. And King Solomon says it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because sometimes you'll just experience the shrapnel of their bad decisions. You'll just be in close proximity and hanging out with them. You will experience the fallout of some of their unwise decisions. And so who are you hanging out with? And I know sometimes this might seem judgmental. Like, I mean, you're talking about my friends. Like, these are my friends. Like, like are, we, are we talking about being judgmental? No, I, I think this whole idea of having guardrails when it comes to our relationships is not about being judgmental, but, but about having good judgment. Because there's a difference between being judgmental and having good judgment. See, if, if, you're, if you're being a judge, you're judging other people. But that's not what we're talking about when it comes to guardrails with our relationships. What we're talking about is being really understanding us and who we are, and based upon our past experiences, based upon things we've struggled with in the past, based upon our current reality, what's going on right now, that we just started a new job, that we're struggling with something right now, based upon our future hopes and dreams, okay, how does that affect my relationships with others? You know, and and I think parents, we know this. We know that being concerned about who we're hanging out with it's not a matter of being judgmental, but it's a matter, a matter of having good judgment, right? Because, parents, let's go back to when you were a kid. And when you were a kid, when you would go out on a Friday night, Saturday night, did your parents ever ask you, who are you hanging out with tonight? Oh, yeah, my parents always asked. They always knew. I mean, I'm 32 years old, and I go back and visit my parents for Christmas. They always want to know, who are you going out with tonight? Or if they don't catch me before I go out the door, next morning, who would you go out with, Sean? And my mom wants names, my mom wants names. Anybody, anybody I know? And as, a kid, as kids, we're kind of like, why are your parents so paranoid about this? Man, why are they so crazy? Do they not trust me? No, it's not that they're being judgmental of your friends. They just understand that, that your friends ultimately determine the direction and the quality of your life. And if you are our parents, now you're on the other side. And you understand why they are so paranoid, because you're paranoid-er, right? And you have a dis- distinct advantage over them, because now you have Facebook, and now you have Twitter, and now you have social media, and you're stalking your kids' friends, and, and all of a sudden you become this CIA-like FBI agent because you want to know who's influencing your kids' lives. You, you just, you just got to know. And the same thing is true with us, okay? And we, gotta, we, gotta, we have to understand, it's not just true for our kids, it's still true for us today. No matter who you're associated with, no matter if it's your work partners, okay, people you hang out with, work out at the gym, your neighbors... Okay, we've got to understand that people have, an, have the opportunity to influence us. They're going to change some of the decisions that we make. Our brainwaves become aligned. Now, one more thing before we actually get into the actual guardrails. Jesus never told us, hey, if you're going to follow me, you need to get rid of all of your friends who aren't following me. You know, that's not, that's not what these guardrails are about. You know, people who were fools in the first century loved Jesus, and they hung out with him. But the reason why they did was because he was different, because he was light in their darkness. And, and so having these guardrails in our lives is not about you know, becoming a monk and saying, I can't be friends with you anymore, but it's about having proper guardrails so that you can continue to be light in that darkness and you can continue to influence them in a positive way and not allow them to bring you down into the ditch with them. And so what are some of these guardrails? Well, I've got three guardrails for you guys to take away. This morning, when it comes to our relationships, here's the, here's the first one. I'll, I'll just call them reflectors, kind of reflectors on these guardrails. The first one is, be cautious when your friends are moving in the opposite, opposite direction as you. Because one of the beautiful things about friendship is, when you're with your friends, you let down your guard. You, you've been accepted, and that's a beautiful thing about friendship, acceptance leads to influence and so when your friends are going in the opposite direction as you are that should just wake up your conscience and say i gotta be i gotta be careful here i gotta i gotta be ready okay that they're not going to influence me in the wrong direction think about what are some things that you value i mean really think about the things that you value and are your friends helping you live a life that's consistent with those values are your friends helping you become a better father are they, are they helping you become a better mother, a, a better husband, a better wife? Are, are your friends helping you raise your kids in a way that's godly? And if you're like, oh, I would never let my friends hang out with my kids, it's like, okay, that could be a red flag, okay? You've got to have some guardrails there. You, you know, think, the, the people who have ruined their financial state will not, keep be, not have any worries about you ruining your financial state. And people who have, who have wrecked their marriages won't, won't have any qualms about you wrecking your marriage. People who don't care about their reputation won't care about yours. People who lie, cheat, and steal feel comfortable about themselves when you lie, cheat, and steal. So just be careful. Just let your conscience be awoken when your friends, your associates, are heading in the opposite direction as you are. Understand, know your values, and understand how they're influencing you and your values. Here's a second reflector. Be cautious when you start pretending to be someone you're not. This happens, right? I mean, I love, honestly, pretending to be someone I'm not. Once a year on Halloween, like this coming Saturday, I'm going to have a Halloween party. I'm going to dress up in a costume. It's going to be great. And actually, I, I do it more than once a year. I'll confess, okay? I'll confess. But I do it because I love serving in our children's ministry at church. And one thing I've learned, if you want the kids to pay attention to you, you just dress up in a crazy costume, and they're like, wow, I don't know what, who this guy is, but he obviously wants us to learn about Jesus, so let's pay attention. And you'll, if you ever serve in kids' ministry, just dress up in a crazy costume, and the, you'll have the kids eaten out of your hand. You know, here, here's just one costume. I think, I think we got a picture of myself dressed up as Forrest Gump a few years ago. So I dressed up as Forrest Gump because we were learning about we were learning about perseverance. So I had this crazy idea. I was like, I don't know if the kids will get this, but the volunteers will love it. So I'm like, I'm like, hey, I, I ran across the country multiple times. You know, when you, when you think you got to give up, just keep going. And so I told them the story about Forrest Gump and they're like, okay, whatever. But you know, it, it, it is awesome. I love it. The kids love it. And you know, pretending to be someone you're not, okay, it's great on Halloween. You know it's great in Kid Zone until you have to go outside and get get dressed up and all the adults see, and you're like, "Who let the insane like asylum? Who let the guy out of the insane asylum?" Like, don't worry, I'm just gonna go hang out with your kids. Like, <laughs> you know, and, and it's great pretending to be someone you're not in those situations, but it's a terrible way to live your life. And in fact, it's deceitful, and it's lying, it's not healthy. But but sometimes, okay. That's our current reality. So be be warned. Be careful when you find yourself in a room with people and you find yourself nodding in agreement with everyone else who's nodding in agreement and on the inside you're like, no, I actually don't agree with what they're saying. I I don't, but everybody else, it seems like everyone else, we're all just kind of on the same wavelengths. Be careful. Watch out how they're influencing you. And, And so when you find yourself, all of a sudden your language going from PG to rated R because of the people you're hanging out with, be careful when all of a sudden your jokes become a little bit more crude. When your spouse says, honey, you're, you're just different when you hang out with those people. Be careful. Watch out. When all of a sudden you start liking cats and country music, gentlemen, okay? Like, it's a slippery slope from there, okay? <laughs> be true to your convictions, okay? When you start pretending to be someone that you're not, watch out. That's a, that's a guardrail. That's a rumble strip saying you're heading to danger, Here's the third one. Here's the third reflector. Be cautious when you feel pressured to compromise. When you feel pressure to compromise your conviction, watch out. Danger is coming. When, when something that was often was never an option for you, something that was never a temptation for you, all of a sudden becomes an option, all of a sudden something that you're entertaining the thought, saying, I wonder, how, how, would it be that bad? Is, is it really off limits? Be cautious. You know, one question I get from, from the young adults at my church, the 20 year olds that I work with at New Life, one question I get all the time is, Sean, is this a sin? It's like, I love that question. Is this a sin? It's like, well, what? It's like, is smoking marijuana a sin? You know, is drinking a sin? The question I get most often is this Is moving in with my boyfriend or girlfriend a sin? You no, know, I hear that all the time. And so, you know, m- m- my thing is, okay, well, what do you believe about Scripture, about the Bible? and about God's, you know, his design for marriage, and we look at scripture, and we say, okay, well, it seems like God has designed marriage to be something that that is enjoyed by a man and woman for life, and and that sexual intimacy is to be enjoyed within that confines. Anything outside that confines is outside of God's will for your life. And at that point, they're like, oh, I mean, we're just moving in together. I mean, we're just going to be roommates. Like, we just want to make sure this whole, like, we're compatible, and like, you know, we put the toilet seat the right way, and the toilet, you know, all this stuff. I'm like, all right, this is a long. Is going to be a long discussion. You're trying to pretend to play married, okay? That's not going to work. But we get to this point, we're kind of getting to what they're wrestling through, and I say, okay, so, so here, let me get this. You're going to move in together. You're not going to sleep together. Just be roommates. I say, oh, okay. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's not a sin. Maybe moving in with your boyfriend, or your girlfriend isn't immoral, but it is unwise. It is like driving down a dark mountain road at 100 miles an hour without any guardrails. You are asking. For trouble and so if you ever find yourself asking that question is this a sin ask yourself why are you even asking that question in the first place it's probably because someone is influencing you and someone wants you to compromise your convictions you know the apostle paul he 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 wrote to his friends in the city of corinth who were kind of struggling with the same question they lived in this very sinful greek city it was very dark And he warns him, hey, be careful who your companions are, who you're hanging out with. And he says, in order for you to be light in this dark world, you've got to make sure that you're not asking and making your decisions based upon this question of is this a sin or not. He says that's a terrible question to ask yourself. So he gives him this wisdom in 1 Corinthians 10.23. He says, everything is permissible. Okay, everything is permissible. You know, we're saved by grace. But he says, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is constructive. And so he tells his friends, if you guys are making your decisions based on is this a sin or not, you're going to have an okay, mediocre life. The question you should be asking yourself is, in light of my past experience, in light of my current reality, in light of my future hopes and dreams, what is the wisest thing for me to do? What is the wisest decision for me to make? And so if you ever find yourself asking that question, is this a sin or not? Ask yourself, is that the wisest decision for me to make? Am I being influenced by someone else? Or should you be kind of awoken to maybe the fact that someone is trying to compromise your convictions? Because I think we can probably go around the room if we had time and everyone could share a story about a regret they have. And it's probably connected you compromising your conviction and it probably wasn't you in isolation it was probably due to the influence of someone someone in your life and i know probably most of us maybe we think some of us maybe think okay but that's the past and i'm stronger now and i'm wiser now and i don't need any guardrails i mean i can get as close as i can to that sin and not let me it won't it won't affect me you know but we play with fire you're always going to get burned And that's why the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 10 tells his friends this. He says, if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. And and some of the hardest days in ministry for me have been when mentors of mine, who had always told me that you needed to have guardrails in your life, didn't respect the guardrails and, and ruined their marriages and are no longer in ministry because they thought they were standing tall. I pray that that would not be true of us. So think about, who are, you, who are you standing with? Who are you walking with? Are you walking with wise people? People that, people that maybe are, are further down the path than you are. And, and saying, I want to get there someday. Would you help me get there? Do you have people that you're locking arms with in a life group so that you're not walking on this journey alone? You know, King Solomon reminds us in, in, in Proverbs 27, 17, he says, as, our, as iron sharpens iron, so m- one man sharpens another. Who's sharpening you? You're making a commitment to be here every Sunday morning, to be in the same room with people who are heading in the same direction. I hope you are. Now, I imagine that there are some people here this morning who said, man, I, I wish I would heard these, these series of messages on guardrails like 10 years ago, 20 years ago, because you look at some of your regrets and you're like, man, I, I wouldn't have that in my life if I had had stronger guardrails. And if that's you, uh, understand that, that we can have hope that Jesus didn't just come to, to give us some wisdom, to help us live good lives. No, he came to redeem all our hurts, all our hang-ups, all our bad habits, and to bring, to bring beauty out of the mess that we sometimes create in our lives. Now I think it's wonderful the fact that the person that we're learning from today, King Solomon, was a man who had made a wreck of his life. He had many regrets. You just, you just read the book of Ecclesiastes. Man, he chased love in all the wrong places. And yet God redeemed all of that. And he wants to do that in your life. Whatever regrets you might have, whatever mess you might find yourself in today, he wants to redeem it. And the way he's done it is through the cross. And that's what we're going to do right now is going to reflect on what Jesus has done for us in the cross by taking communion and taking uh, this cracker and, and taking this juice. And remembering the high price that Jesus paid so that we would no longer be defined by our regrets, by the mess that we sometimes make of our lives, but so that God could bring beauty out of the ashes. And the way that he did that was he didn't stay in the safety zone. No, Jesus came out and went into the danger zone. and He came down in the ditch with us and rescued us out. And in the cross, he turned everything upside down. He, he, through the cross, through his death, we can have life. And through his pain, we can have, have healing. And some of us have some scars in our lives. But so does Jesus. He's got scars in his hands and in his feet so that our scars won't have the last word but that he will in calling us as his, 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 his sons and his daughters because of the high price that he paid for us on the cross.